We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pacer Nation, welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace here on IndieSportsLegends.com. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and I'm going to be joined today by the one and only Michael Jerome Focci, one of the greatest guys to talk Pacers basketball with. If you're not hyped, get hyped because Focci is going to make you hype. Focci, what's going on, brother? Alex, I love it. I just cannot stop talking Pacers basketball, (laughs) and I hope you're all as excited as I am because for a team coming off of a sweep, Alex, there is a lot of optimism here because it sounds like there's going to be a little bit of a shakeup coming this offseason, and I'm I'm excited to see who's coming to the Pacers, and it starts at head coach. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we've, we've kind of hinted around some guys we're interested in, so we're not going to spend too much time talking about that today. Maybe on Thursday we can go deep dive into some other candidates we like, whatnot, but... Uh, in our second segment, we're going to be joined by Tyler Smith to recap yesterday's press conference with Kevin Pritchard, kind of see what he thought from being on that conference call with KP and see what direction the Pacers might go. But today, Fachi, we're going to talk about 10 players that the Pacers could trade for if they decide to go with a more modern style of offense. So I know it's a, a mouthful of a list type there, but I just felt like, hey, these are some guys that we could target now. We're not talking like Kevin Durant and James Harden because... Obviously, those are guys you want, but we're talking like legit guys that you could make a case for why you could go out and obtain them. So, Fachi, I'll start off with you. Who is your number one guy that you would like to see the Pacers maybe make a run at uh, for this uh, new roster to play a modern style of offense? Sure. So, I thought we'd have some fun here and go with a guy who uh, actually wore a draft day Pacers hat. No, I'm not talking Kawhi Leonard. I'm talking Chris Levert. All right. Levert is someone who... I feel like he's really blossoming into his own. Involved in that draft day trade with uh, for Thad Young a few years back, he's really evolved as a playmaker. Um, his three point shooting is also improving, and at six six, he can play the two and the three, 
and he's really been a great distributor for Brooklyn. This guy was someone who took his game completely forward from February on and was on a, on a lowly Brooklyn Nets team, was head and shoulders the best player by far. So in, in the playoffs, while his shooting percentages you know, were a bit tough because he was you know, facing a double team from a Toronto Raptors defense that was very good, he averaged 20 points per game, 9.5 assists, and 6 rebounds. Uh, his contract moving forward, very affordable. Three years, $52.5 million, averages out to about $17.5 million. I feel like this is someone who is entering his prime right now, and I don't know if Brooklyn's really going to be able to have the best opportunity for him once you have Kyrie and Kevin Durant coming back. So I feel like Levert is someone who could be had, and I think the Pacers could be in the market. What do you think of Levert potentially going to the Pacers? Yeah, I really like what I saw from Karis Levert in the uh, in the NBA bubble, and he's been pretty good his whole career now. He has had some injury issues. Pacers mm-hmm. aren't familiar with that. So um, we have a really good training staff, so maybe they could help that out. But you know, Levert's a young and up-and-coming player. Like you said, it's going to be weird to see what what Brooklyn does with their roster because they're going to they're going to make sure that it fits Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And Lever, I'm not sure if he'd be a good starter with them, but he might be really good off the bench as a sixth man type kind of guy. So I don't know what it would take to pry him away. What what they would want in return because I, I think they're going to want shooters. I, I think they you know they've got uh, DeAndre Jordan at, at center who. A lot of Pacer fans and a lot of NBA fans are like, why um, Why are the Nets wanting to start him over Jared Allen? But he's uh, friends with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So, yeah, depending on what you're trading, it would be interesting to see what you could get in return. But Lavert would be a lot of fun in a modern style of offense and definitely someone that can create his own shot. I don't think he is that guy that can be like a, uh, you know, like a, a number one by any stretch of the means. But I do think he's a guy that could really help them contribute uh, to some wins. Yeah, I definitely don't see him as a number one, but I see him as someone who can continuously get better right now. Um, so I, I think that it's it's going to be an interesting situation. I think that he, he's probably going to be the name that comes up in trade talks a lot for Brooklyn, but I thought we could pivot over to who your first potential is. Yeah, so this is a bit of a, a, bit of a stretch here, and uh, he is a stretch four. He's a free agent this year, so it had to be a sign-and-trade type of move. But he is the Latvian laser, Davis Bertans, former second-round pick that the Indiana Pacers traded along with Kawhi Leonard for George Hill back in 2011. So got to relive that misery, right? But Davis Bertans was unbelievable this year. Shot, uh, what is it? I'm trying to think here what he shot from three. Let me get these numbers real quick. 42%. Yeah, 42% from three. And, uh, you know, he's not a rebounder. But if you're going to play a modern style of offense – he had his best year shooting-wise in a long time. So the amount of shots he was putting up, he was lights out. He didn't go to the bubble to make sure he could stay healthy. Not really sure. According to uh, according to uh, Hoops Rumors, the Hawks, Knicks, and Suns are expected to be among the top three uh, teams to try and pry him away from Washington. So Washington obviously sees value in him. But I think the Pacers, you know, depending on how much Bertans would cost, I think they could get a, a, a very nice deal on a sign-and-trade if they can woo Bertans to Indiana to play alongside one of our centers in the starting rotation with a new modern style of offense. Now, defensively, um, he's not very good. So I'm not sure if you pair him with Sabonis, it'd be the greatest pairing defensively. But offensively, it'd be really fun. So um, he's like my fifth guy that I go after. I have four other guys that I like a little bit better. But as far as Bertans goes, 
Um, he's just he's a great shooter, and maybe they could stagger minutes to where they're not playing them a, a ton together. But yeah, just a, a like he's like his nickname, the Latvian Laser. He's, he was lights out this year. First of all, that's like a Hall of Fame nickname right there. I, I love. <laughs> it. I, I can't say it enough either. Um, the man can stroke the ball. Make no mistake about it. I know it's forty two percent, but. Earlier in the year, at one point, it was like 47%. I mean, this guy can flat out shoot. Personally, I think he's gone from Washington. I think that they're going to elect to move on. I think they're cleaning up the books a bit. You know, that John Wall contract is out of this world. And also, Beal's new contract, very expensive. Just two players alone, I want to say, is going to be about $75 for them. Um, I think he's the guy who probably walks. If you can make that sign-and-trade happen— I think it would be very interesting because three-point shooting is something that the Pacers need a lot more of. And, you know, if there is going to be certain head coach that could be coming, you know, over from Houston, I know he likes three-point shooters a lot, and I feel like that would be a great piece to add to it. The contract, like we talked about, that's what I'm wondering. What do you pay Bertans off of pretty much what feels like just one breakout year? Yeah. You know, in 2018-2019, he was, he was pretty good. I mean, he shot basically 43% from three. But this year was really his coming out party. So depends what the numbers are over there. Uh, I'd be curious to see how that works out. Well, and one thing you got to realize is he took 8.7 three-point so, attempts a game this year. So, you know, that's, that's a big difference, and that's a big uptick from his 4.4 the year before. He doubled that just with Washington. And to be honest, he actually only started four games, so he could come off the bench and um, you know m- maybe be a nice backup at the Pacers. Did want to go with a little bit of a small ball lineup and, and play T.J. Warren at the four. You could bring Bertans, even though you're paying him quite a bit of money, off the bench and, and play him like six man uh, minutes, and he could really be a nice nice stretch for you there, especially if you have some guards that are able to get into the paint. So Bertans, a little bit of a sleeper guy. I don't really expect it to happen, but it'd be fun. So let's move it will on, be Fachi. Fun. Let's move on, Fachi. Yeah, your, so, well, your number four. Or number two, whatever. Well, while we're it. on while we're on the topic of three point shooting, one guy that I have been infatuated with, I can't get enough of. Uh, there was even rumors of him coming to the Pacers last year. JJ Redick, the okay. veteran himself. As hard of a worker as you can get. This guy, I mean, I don't remember the exact name of his new podcast. It was something like 653 or something like that based off of how many three-point shots he puts up per day in practice um an amazing locker room guy the Sixers even kind of it had gone around that JJ Redick was one of those glue guys in their locker room that kind of held guys in check and we saw just how much basically that that locker room started to come apart at the seams a true winner someone who for the first time this year Missed the playoffs, dating back where he had always made the March Madness tournament in college, in high school, the NBA, everything. The guy's a winner. He is everything Doug McDermott wishes he could be. Uh, you're talking about a career 41% three-point shooter who just shot over 45% last year from three. You can count on J.J. Redick. So one year, $13 million remaining if it's going to be you know, a trade. So you're not committed to a lot of money. But I think that this is J.J. Redick is just someone who can make this team better and you can count on him. So I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on, on J.J. Redick. Do you think it could ever happen? Um, I don't know. I mean, the guy is, uh, I'm looking at him right here, 36 years old. So he's he's way past mm-hmm. his prime. Still a good shooter. I know like shooters like that are kind of like kickers in the NFL. 
You're just expecting them to put three points on the board and uh, not play much defense, right? So Reddick's not a terrible defender, but he's not very good either. So it's like uh, he's uh, average or below average, but he's like not the worst defender. But yeah, I, I'm not really sure what what I would expect from JJ Reddick more than a, a bench roll. I think leadership would be important. You could probably make a package deal where you don't give up, you know, one of your one of your core guys. But at the same time, would it be worth it? What would you have to give up? Would they have enough to give up? I don't know. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I don't know if I would do this, Foch, but I like the name. I like his resume, and I like the way he he plays. He might be fun to see in a in a D'Antoni style of offense. I completely agree, and I'll stay I'll stay dreaming on that because when there was rumors last year, woo, I wanted JJ Redick. Yeah. No, he would have been a lot better than Tyreek Evans. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Way better. Well, you want to move on to my number two? Yeah, let's, let's hear it. All right, well, let's just keep it with the big white men. So he, too, I believe, is a free agent this upcoming summer, and that's Danilo Gallinari, who had a really good year, actually, this year. 18.7 points, uh, five rebounds, you know, not the best, but I just, I just was really impressed with the way he played. And he, he played in, I believe it was 60, 62 games this year. So, yeah, I'm not even sure how many total OKC played before the before the season was suspended. So, uh, good thing is he, he didn't miss a lot of games due to injury, which was one of the, the knocks on him going into uh, a couple of years ago when he signed with the Clippers. So, or was 18.7 points, 5.2 rebounds. You know, he's, he's not a great defensive player at all, but... He can really spread the floor, and I think he'd be really fun to watch. Um, he shot 40% from three, took seven three-point attempts this year. So, you know, that's that's pretty intelling of, of how willing he is to shoot the three. And the Pacers just need shooters. So Gallo was a name that came up in my mind. And one, I would uh, probably have to be another sign-and-trade as well because the Pacers are going to have to offer him more than the mid-level um, exception, which would be about $10 million, I think. So, yeah, they're going to have to do a sign-and-trade here if they were to acquire him. But he's been in the league since 2008. He's he's a proven veteran. He is what he is. I wouldn't expect much out of him except to uh, be a really good shooter. And, um, yeah, I mean, Gallo is somebody that I've always kind of liked. But at the same time, you know, he's just kind of a a role player on a team. Yeah, no, I I love Gallinari's game. I feel like he's someone who has gotten better. I mean, when you mentioned that he's been in the league since 2008, 2009, you know, since when I lived in New York, I mean, Gallinari to the Knicks, I remember being like, I don't know if this is ever going to work out. And I feel like he's carved out a good career. So, you know, that's someone who I feel like is realistic for the Pacers to add. Sign and trade, you know, that would that would have to be it. I don't know if he would necessarily maybe choose the Pacers flat out in free agency, um, but you never know. Um, also, like you mentioned, very capable three-point Gallo's the kind of guy where I feel like in the playoffs would have been amazing to have coming off the bench because I feel like that's someone you know you can count on there. So the contract at this point, you know, he's going to be 32 years old. I'm wondering what you're going to do on a fresh deal. If you were going to offer him a three or four years, I'm wondering, you know, the last year or two, are we kind of kicking ourselves in the butt a little bit or, you know, are we happy with the first two years of production? So, um for Gallo, I'd be interested to see. I think that, that that's a really good option for the Pacers if they can work it out. So wouldn't be opposed to that one bit. Oh, no, not um, at all, Foch. And I, and I think one thing you have to remember, even if you get him for a couple of years and it doesn't work out, he's a shooter. 
on a, on a decent contract, people will be, you know, willing to make offers for him. And that's just the bottom they line. Will. And so I think the Pacers, this, it, if the Pacers were to acquire someone like that or going forward, if they get more shooters on the roster, I think those are going to be more desired players than some of the guys they've had in the past couple of years. Definitely. Uh, he's coming off of making $22 million this year, so he, this is going to be his last real shot at free agency. So I do think he could be a little expensive, potentially a little bit out of our price range. When the Pacers, if you look at him, they're a team full of bargain deals. I mean, they signed Miles Turner early. You signed Sabonis early. Oladipo making $20 million you know, for the last few years has been a steal for the Pacers, despite what he you know, put up this year. So I would hope that Gallinari wouldn't be outside the budget. But moving to my next player, another guy who could be on the market from Brooklyn, Spencer Dinwiddie. Okay. Dinwiddie's got a player option of $11.4 million and then a $12.3 million option. So does he fit in the Nets' plans moving forward playing alongside Kyrie Irving? I don't know. Towards, I don't think so. This is someone who played much better when Kari went down. He just turned 27. I fully believe that he's in his arm now. And he's gotten better every single year. A true diamond in the rough. A guy who had a scratch and claw to get to where he is today. He averaged 20 points and 7 assists last year. He's 6'5". He can play both guard positions. He gets buckets and attacks. What do you think... If Dinwiddie becomes available, would you see the Pacers interested? Yeah. I, well, the thing is, does does Malcolm Brogdon still want to play point guard? I think that's my only concern is because I think Spencer Dinwiddie is a good point guard. And I know Malcolm wanted to come here to be the point guard and not be off ball all the time. So would they be willing to work together? I, I think possibly. Um, Dinwiddie is a, a bucket getter. He's been really fun to watch, and it's been fun to see him grow. He's funny with what he does on social media. He's a great follow on Twitter um, if you're an NBA fan just because he's crazy. I think earlier this year he actually did a GoFundMe for his next contract or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, he, he's a funny guy. And, um, yeah, he's got the skill sets that you want. What did you say his three-point numbers were again? Uh, so Dinwiddie could could be – he could improve it there. He's not that great of a three-point shooter. So I actually didn't mention um, – his three-point shooting, but I got it right over here. Give me one second. Well, so last year from, from three, he shot just 30%, which is gross. Yeah. It is. But that's why I said he can attack. He can get he can get buckets. He's not a great three-point shooter. Um, but I, I do just like what he brings to the court. I feel like that's someone who, if you need a basket, he's not afraid of the moment. Right. And that's that's the thing. I mean, I really like Spencer Dinwiddie's game. I think that he could be a nice player for the Pacers um, once again, what do you give up? We don't know. We'll get into that maybe next week and maybe do some trade ideas that we think would be really fun for the Pacers going forward. But, but yeah, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie's is a, a great guy. I, I think he'd be a good person for this culture. Very affordable too. At 11 to 12 million for each of the next two seasons. I feel like that fits in great with the team being, you know, giving the Pacers options to be able to also still improve not weighing it down, um, you know, he probably opts out of the last year just because he's someone where when he got that first contract, he was still really trying to carve out a role in the league. So I feel like you're probably going to get one year out of him, and then he's probably going to elect to hit free agency. So you, you have to take it one year at a time. But I do think that he is going to be a name that is going to be, you know, 
sprinkled all around the league as being available as the Nets look to get better this offseason. All right, Foch. Well, I'm going to move on to my third guy, and this guy is a little bit of a hometown hero. Uh, Not maybe a hero, but he is a hometown guy. Went to IU, plays with the Houston Rockets, um, and that is Eric Gordon. So, yes, I, uh, I like Eric Gordon quite a bit. Not really sure what the Rockets are going to do if they do let go of D'Antoni. And this is even somebody I like, even if we don't go out and hire Mike D'Antoni as our coach. But I'm just saying, if the Rockets do indeed move on and they go a different direction, Eric Gordon's someone they could trade, and maybe they could go and trade for a center, one of our centers. And I just, you know, I like Eric Gordon. He's 31 years old. He's What I really like about him is his ability to get to the basket. He's a streaky three-point shooter. He's not really great at it, but over the last couple of years, he shot, you know, 37 with Houston, 37, 36, 36, and this year 32, but he did have uh, an injury that kept him out for a significant amount of time, and in the playoffs against the Warriors, he's had some really bright moments. I just think this is a guy that's able to get to the basket, and one thing the Pacers have missed is having a guy that's able to get to the basket. I think Gordon could help. He'd be perfect coming off the bench as a six-man type guy. You could even start him some games. I just I feel like he's a really reliable player who who knows what his game is. And if we do indeed hire D'Antoni, they have that relationship, and I think that they would be able to work together. Yeah, I've always loved Eric Gordon's game for so long. I mean, people forget back in the day, he was the centerpiece of the Chris Paul trade. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, Eric Gordon has been someone coveted in the league for a long time. Now, he is coming off of, you know, maybe, you know, maybe to say his, his worst season or an injury plague season, however you want to put it. Shooting percentages, scoring was down. Um, but I, I still love what he brings to the table. At 31, when it feels like he's been in the league forever, still young enough. He was just signed to a brand new deal. So if the Pacers do anything, they do inherit the brand new four year contract that he signed, uh, four year, 75 million. So not bad. I mean, it actually goes up each year. So it's 16, 18, 19, and 20 million. So, so very affordable for a player where if he can stay healthy, I think that there's a lot that he can contribute to his Pacers team. I mean, I think if this is the guy where if the Pacers had Eric Gordon coming off the bench this year, I think it much better. There was times where you just did not know where a basket was going to come from, and I feel like Eric Gordon would be someone that would have been great for them. Obviously, you have the ties to Indiana, which everybody loves. I mean, everyone's always petitioning to bring back someone from the state of Indiana, so it feels like he fits that mold. Um, I like it. I like yeah. it. We don't have to give up too much. I feel like if the Rockets lose to the Thunder and Dan Tony gets fired, they will be making some changes, and Eric Gordon will be – maybe the first person they look to move because you're not moving Russell Westbrook's contract. You're not moving James Harden. Other than that, I mean, there's really not that much pieces over there. You just traded a good amount to bring in Robert Covington. Eric mm-hmm. Gordon feels like the guy who is being traded for probably, you know, let's let's put it this way, probably salary relief and, and like a, a player that you can, you know, that they can obviously utilize. I feel like his trade value would not be too high I could see that as an option. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, so I really like Eric Gordon. So, um, not really sure what exactly the Pacers would have to give up for him, but I think that he would be a nice fit here. So, you want to move on to your uh, number four, Foch? Yeah, moving on to my fourth pick, a guy who I just, Alex, I don't get it. 
Why is this man so slept on? Please turn the pillow on the other side. Put your alarm <laughs> clock on. I'm talking about Seth Curry. I Seth. think he is one of. I think he is one of the most slept on players in the league. I don't understand why he is still battling for a decent contract. He signed a fresh deal. He's got three years and $24.5 million remaining on his contract. Alex, great three-point shooter. No, 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 no. Historic three-point shooter. This guy is number two all-time in <laughs> three-point percentage behind just Steve Kerr. He gets no credit because his brother is ten times better, which I know it's, it would sound like a diss, but his brother is Steph Curry. I think he could play a bigger role for the Pacers. I mean, when we're talking about needing three-point shooting, this guy is the shooter. And it's not just from three. He shot nearly 50% from the field overall last year. Averaged 12.5 points per game. I feel like this is someone who can be had. The, the Mavs are looking to get better. I feel like he's probably the perfect contract for that team, honestly. But if you have an opportunity to grab uh, Seth Curry... I love it because I just feel like I don't know why this man is jumping from team to team every single year. If you just carve him out a role, I feel like you won't regret it. And I think the Pacers are just that team to roll the dice on an affordable contract and a knockdown three-point shooter. Oh, yeah. Seth Curry is so underrated, man. And, you know, we, we, we look at what he's done. I mean, th- the shooting that he has put up this year is just unreal i mean you can't make up those numbers i mean it's number two all time like you said so great shooting percentage i'm a big fan of seth curry i think that he would really fit well in a modern style of offense i think that he's in a good in a good situation with dallas because of luca because they do play a little bit of a modern style but they do kind of run two bigs maxi kleba and Kristaps porzingis and i know dwight powell was in the mix there as well so maybe he would benefit from maybe a more four-out style with one big. Who knows? But I, I like Seth Curry. I think you're heading in the right direction. That's a lot uh, more attractive to me than the uh, previous J.J. Redick uh, suggestion you brought up. <laughs> well, hey, I, I, I won't be uh, knocked for that. That's fine. I don't, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine letting the 35, 36-year-old J.J. Redick not come to the Pacers. But Seth Curry already being under contract at a very affordable price Pacers needing three-point shooting, I just a little bit. I think it'll pay off. So that's someone I've always loved his game. I don't, you know, the guy had a transfer from Liberty to Duke. Then he goes undrafted. He's he's you know messing around the D League for a while or the G League now. You know, then he goes with the Kings. He's on the Blazers, the Mavs. I just don't understand why this guy can't just carve out a home. I feel like he has that in Dallas right now. But I'm trying to be a home wrecker, Alex. I'm trying to come in there and offer up whatever did not whatever Dallas wants, but something to entice them to let Seth go. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a that's a great great um, it's a great player you can name Fachi for the for the style of play the Pacers want to play or could possibly want to play going forward. So coming up next for me, another hometown guy. A lot of people have been mentioning his name for the past year or two, and and. There was rumors that he was possibly going to come here before Paul George requested a trade. Who knows if that's true or not? But it is Gordon Daniel Hayward from the Boston Celtics, six foot seven, two hundred twenty-five pound power forward, small forward. I think he could be a terrific small ball addition player. He put up seventeen and a half points this year, shot thirty-eight percent from three, 
played in 52 games. He had some injuries. He's still coming back from the brutal injury that he suffered in 17-18 on opening night. And, you know, I just think we see when players get injured like this, it takes them a while. But right now in Boston, you're looking at a team that's surrounded by Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum with Kimba Walker. I mean, Gordon Hayward is the fourth option. And, and sometimes, you know, defensively he's not bad, but he's not like the greatest. And sometimes I think Marcus Smart is a better fit with that starting five. So he's he's got about $32 million, I believe it is, Foch. Is that right? $30-ish million? Yeah, it is. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of a pricey contract, but do you have the exact contract details? When does it expire? Uh, this is it. This is this is the final year. This is the final year, so he's a free agent next year? Yep. Or is it, or yep. is it a player option? Uh, I want to – right I believe, believe it's it a four-year – I think it's a player option. If he would have signed in 17-18, it would be a player option for next year. So if he opts into that, then you could do a trade for that. But, yeah, I can't imagine him giving up that $32 million. I believe it is a player option if I were – call but while you're looking that up i just think you know another indiana guy he gets what it means to play for indiana um it would be a, a big difference so, what's up Foch? what you got this this is a player option this year this is it yeah so if he so he's picking up, this up yeah so for next year right he'll be a he'll have one yeah, more year left. Exactly. right right so for 2021 mm-hmm. he's got one year left which means that hey he could leave the pacers after one year but I think if you go out and trade for somebody like this and he has success, he's at home where he's you know been his whole life growing up, it, it could be something special to him. So who knows? I like Gordon Hayward a lot. I, I think that defensively he's a little bit you know behind the eight ball. I, don't, I think his best days are probably behind him as far as a player, but I still think he has a lot of good days left. So I'm not expecting him to be a number one or a number two type guy, but may, maybe a number two, but not definitely not a number one. Maybe a number two or number three option. I mean... Hey, if you're trying to build a team around a bunch of number twos to uh, compete in the playoffs, I think he'd be a great guy, a great locker room guy, and all about culture. It seems like that fits the Pacers' mold. I mean, you got the hometown guy, great in the locker room, you know, hard worker, everything of the sort. Just seems like an all-around great guy. And honestly, Gordon Hayward proved me wrong because I didn't know if he was going to be able to recover from the injury that he suffered a few years ago. Last year, you know, very down year, but it was a serious injury mm-hmm. that, that he went through. I thought he bounced back big time. I mean, when you're talking about averaging 17.5 points per game, he did that on 50% shooting from the field. As the fourth option, like you mentioned, the top three, I don't even know how Boston was able to have three players average over 20 points per game and then have Gordon Hayward average 17.5. I mean, that's ex- extremely impressive right there. Shows just how good of a team they are. Um, you know, 31 years, he's, he's turning 30. So still, still, you know, young enough for NBA standards where, Hey, you know, you can still be very effective in the court that the price tag scares me though. When you're talking about next year at 34 million, I mean, in order to facilitate a trade, you're going to have to get crafty. I mean, say a trade involves like a a Victor Oladipo or anything of the sort, that's 20 million right there. What are you going to come up with the other 14? You know, so you're going to. You're going to have to get pretty crafty over there. I hope it wouldn't cost too much. But the next part is, what kind of contract is he looking at after that? Because, as I mentioned earlier, the Pacers have a lot of affordable contracts, which is pretty rare in this league. I don't think they would have the luxury of being able to pay him like $30 million a year. So he seems like the kind of guy that could take a hometown discount. I I think so. You wonder how much of a discount that is. 
but you know he's got one more contract left in his career and i think he's coming off of a, a pretty good year that you know maybe boston rides this out or maybe they do use him as a trade chip oh for sure yeah i'm not i'm not sure and like you said who they give up would be a huge part of it so it just depends on what they want to do and how they want to go about doing it but it could be a three team trade you could get other teams involved and make it a big a big massive trade if they wanted to do that type of thing so i don't know i mean it's uh, it's it's nicer to see him on the roster on paper, and, yes. and without looking at his contract and who you have to give That's up. That's what scares so, me. It, yeah, essentially, yeah. it's the contract that tips the scale for me. Yeah, and and what you're giving up because what you're going to have to give up, you know, you know, just kind of throwing it out there, probably be like a, a Turner and a Lamb contract for Gordon Hayward. And do you really think that a 31 year old Gordon Hayward's worth both those two guys? Um, probably not. So it's yeah. uh, <laughs> unless you're getting some kind of picks back from from boston because they kind of want to use it as a salary dump i don't know but whatever uh just a thought there but they've already got daniel Tyus at center who's been playing pretty well i don't know if they'd really want miles at center i mean miles might be a little bit better than Tyus, but i don't know Tyus has been pretty good with their with their core so it would not make a lot of sense to break that up and then if you're trying to patch other guys together like it would just be giving up too much based on the pacers contract so probably probably not going to happen but Anyway, Foch, we got two left. Who is your last one? So for my last guy, this is someone who, uh, you know, I think I actually kind of stole this idea from you a little bit. I saw you send a tweet out about it. I saw other people kind of, you know, gain some traction. But Buddy Heald, Buddy is someone that I watched back in college at Oklahoma since I'm a big West Virginia guy playing in the Big 12. And this dude is a baller. I do not think that he's being used properly in Sacramento. In my opinion, he's their best player. Why is your best player coming off the bench? You know, I just don't understand what they're doing in Sacramento, but at the same point, no one does because they haven't made the playoffs in 15 years. So a true marksman, someone who's a career 41% shooter from three, but he's not just a three-point shooter. This is someone who's averaged over 20 points per game the last two seasons. I think he can get baskets any which way. Um, I don't want him to be your best player, but I feel like he can fit in well. And I feel like that's another guy that if you put him in with this Pacers team, I think they, they're just that much deeper. They're that much more dangerous. It's someone who I feel like can bring it every single night. And he signed a contract that I feel like it's actually pretty interesting. So it's a fresh four-year, $86 million deal. And it's a rare deal because it actually decreases in value. So you're talking about $24.5 million, Then it goes to $22.5 million. Then drops down to twenty and a half million, down to eighteen and a half million. So I think that it aligns perfectly. Exactly. So it's front loaded, but I think it aligns perfectly with the Pacers of how you're. You know, you're looking at like Sabonis's contract, and also you know Miles Turner has like three years on his deal, and and Brogdon, you know, with, with uh, three more years on his deal. So all those players line up well, and I feel like at, you know you can reevaluate this team a little bit down the line, have a little bit of wiggle room. We'll also expect the cap to expand. But it's a deal that's not going to cripple you. So basically, I feel like the difference between Gordon Hayward and Buddy Heald being about $10 million difference, I think is pretty huge. Um, yeah. and, I, and I do like what Buddy brings to the table. The Kings, you just never know what they're doing. At any moment, they could just let a great player walk. I mean, or they might, you know, draft Marvin Bagley over Luka. There's just no rhyme or reason to what they're doing. I think that even though they signed Buddy, I think that they're going to try and um, match all offers for Bogdan Bogdanovich, which could potentially have Buddy being available. Yeah, and that's kind of been the whole thing. Bogdan Bogdanovich has been 
better number wise on the on the court with the starters when Buddy Hill's on the bench. So um, that's why Luke Walton decided to go with Buddy off the bench, even though I think Buddy is overall a better player. But that's just my opinion. Um, Bogdan's pretty good too, and um, it, it's it's kind of just the style of play you want to get from those two guys. But for me, Foch, you know, I, I did put out Buddy Hill because I, I know that he's unhappy, and I know that he probably wants a fresh start. And I know the Pacers like to go after those type of players, so it makes a lot of sense. And if you're wanting to play a more up up tempo kind of offense, I really think that he fits the modern offensive type of player. Now, the thing is, you talked about his contract extension; it matches up perfectly with with some of the Pacers players they have now. Um, I'm not really sure which direction Sacramento is heading. Um, I was going to say this. You said he was the best player on Sacramento. I'm going to have to challenge that a little bit. I think De'Aaron Fox is is the best player. Fox is the best. Yeah, Fox is the best. Yeah, so, I mean, Buddy's probably in their top four, top five, and I'm sure they thought when they were going to acquire him for DeMarcus Cousins, which actually looks like the Kings won that trade now. Um, You know, when when you got him, you thought he would be a nice piece of this young core, but it's just not worked out. I think a lot of it has to do with the front office. Vladi Divac got fired this year. Um, You know, Luke Walden, I I don't understand why he was brought in as a coach. I think Dave Yeager was a better coach than Luke Walden. I don't think Luke Walden's a good basketball coach. Sorry, it's just my opinion. He's okay, but he's not great. And Dave Yeager's a lot better. So, really, I mean, when it comes down to it, Buddy Hill would make a ton of sense for the Pacers. In, in a small ball type of offense. And um, I really think he could thrive shooting more threes, playing more loosely, playing more freely. He's good at getting to the rim. And, you know, it's just he's not like all of the players we're talking about. They're not number one option. So let's just kind of put that out there. Obviously, you're listening to these names. You're thinking, yeah, these could be good fits. But they're not number one options. But I just think you don't have to trade Victor for him either. If, if you play Buddy, you could play Buddy with um, Malcolm and, and Victor. You know, you don't have to necessarily – trade Victor to get Buddy Hield here. So that's why I think Buddy Hield will be a lot of fun uh, to see in a Pacers uniform, and I agree with you. I mean, you did steal it from me a little bit, but I'm not the only one that's been saying that Buddy Hield makes sense for the Pacers. Hey, it was so good. I had to steal it. I apologize, Alex. But, you know, I just feel like I like that fit a lot. I just feel like he's someone who also wants to win. I mean, they're, they're, at, at times we forget – these guys are some of the most competitive guys in the NBA. I feel like a guy like Buddy Heald wants to be in the playoffs. He wants to be talked about like he should, and I feel like he probably is unhappy in Sacramento. I know it, it took him you know, having to, to verbally complain in front of the media to get that contract. Because it seemed like they weren't going to give him that deal. So I do think that the Kings could move Buddy Heald. I'd be curious to see if the Pacers are one of those teams calling about him. So... Yeah, that that wraps up my players. Uh, Alex, I believe you had one left. Yeah, so my last one here is a little bit of a sleeper, and I'm, I'm sure people probably weren't really thinking about this player as a possible person the Pacers could go after. But what I will tell you this is the Toronto Raptors have a lot of expiring contracts coming up this year. Fred Van Vliet, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Saul, just the name of three of their five starters, right? So Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry are still on a contract. Uh, they they got OG and Anobi as well, so I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, maybe maybe OG starts for Serge. Maybe I'm wrong on that one, but maybe he does. But they still have their young core of OG and Anobi, um, and uh, Pascal Siakam with a veteran Kyle Lowry who's on the books for one more year. And with both Abaka and Gasol being on the market, my question was: Fred VanVleet's a free agent, and a lot of people are interested in them this year. Seventeen point six points. 
six assists, 41% from the field, 39% from three, 85% free throw shooter. Man, he was so good last year, too, in the playoffs, Fachi. In the finals, Fred Van Vliet was unbelievable. fire. And I just think that if the Pacers are going to go out and make a splashy move, I, I would go out there and try to gauge the market for Fred Van Vliet. He's a he's a unrestricted free agent, I believe. He's 26 mm-hmm. years old. He's right in that core. And he's he's used to playing with Lowry, so he would fit seamlessly with Brogdon. Sure, it might be a little bit undersized with Victor there, but who says Victor's going to be here long-term anyway? So number one, um, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but um, Brandon Scoop B, who was actually on our, our podcast before, uh, he put out that the Raptors have interest in Oladipo. I, I think that Oladipo would make a lot of sense because they already took a risk on a guy like Kawhi Leonard. If if, the, if Oladipo says he wants out, now this is the, the stretch here, if Oladipo says he doesn't want to come back and the Pacers say, hey, we'll do a sign-in trade with Fred Van Vliet for Victor Oladipo and maybe we get something else in return, maybe the Raptors are like, okay, okay you know, but I, I think you could even do it straight up because if you know Vic's not going to be here and you still can get Fred Van Vliet, I think it makes a lot of sense. So, uh, I mean, even if the Pacers decided to hold on to Vic until the deadline, this is somebody, if he resigns with Toronto, you can make a trade for. If if you know if the Toronto Raptors feel like Victor Oladipo can be that guy he once was in 17-18, and they can re-sign him because they have a really great culture there. So I'm not really sure what to expect, uh, but I really, really like Fred Van Vliet as a basketball player. Defensively, super, super good. Really good offensively. I'd love to see him in Dan Tony's offense. Playing under Nick Nurse for the past couple of years might bring some of that pedigree to the team. Leadership wise, I think he's a class act guy. I, I just I'm all in on Fred Van Vliet, and I would do whatever it took to try to woo him to Indiana. And you don't even have to trade Vic. You could even with like I said, Serge and Gasol, both on Ibaka and Gasol both on expiring contracts this year. They could be in the market for a center, and the Pacers have two very highly intriguing centers that they could trade one of. And if they can get Fred Van Vliet back in return for one of those centers, and maybe a maybe a Doug McDermott for around twenty five million dollars a year. Boom. That's a perfect guy to throw into the starting lineup. It's going to be very interesting to see what Toronto does because Gasol, he, he's aged. I mean, he's still he's still a good player for them you know, in their system, but that's a guy where I'd, I'd, I'd be hesitant to give any money to. Fred Van Vliet is going to have suitors this offseason. I mean, there is teams like the Knicks just ready to throw the bag at whoever will accept it. So it's going to be interesting. If you can work out a sign-and-trade, I think that he's. It's going to be very appealing. Um, I do think that Toronto is going to try and do everything in their power to keep him. I, I do think that they'll offer him a max contract. I think that you know a, a few others will. So, are you prepared to give him a max contract? Me? Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I don't. He's going to get one. He's going to get one. I don't know if I'd say he's worth the max. Um... I don't think he is either, but but he will get the max. There, I'm telling you, I've already heard rumblings of the Knicks being interested. Think about how many times the Knicks have whiffed. Fred Van Vliet is the guy to take the money over there, be the starting point guard, and and just well, be paid over there. Well, let's see. Would you rather be paid by the Knicks, or would you rather get paid? You know, a, a pretty good. I mean, would you? What was? What's the most you would offer him? So, what would the max deal be? What is that like? Thirty some million? How much? How many is a max? How much is a yeah. max deal for him? Um, well, I think it all depends on some of it of uh, years of service in the league. 
So he's only played four years, so I don't think he would be getting the full-on max. But I would imagine, you know, he's probably going to be looking at, you know, at least I'd say like a, you know, four-year, eighty-five million dollar deal or or something right around there. Gotcha. So yeah, they gave. It looks like uh, Siakam got a hundred and twenty-nine point nine max contract for for five years. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be somewhere in that range of thirty-ish million. I don't. I don't know. But I mean, if hey. All I gotta say is, I like Van Vliet, and if you're gonna, I make like it, him too. If you're gonna make a, if you're gonna make a risk, Foch, I, I'd be willing to trade Turner and, and, and Jeremy Lamb for Van Vliet. I hate to say that, but I, I would be willing to give up those two for Van Vliet. I just, he's proven it when it matters the most in the playoffs. He's 26. You know, there's question marks of what Jeremy Lamb will be after that injury. I think you got to split up the bigs. To me, that trade makes a lot of sense. I know we're not supposed to do trades now, but I'm going to give you a sneak peek. I'll give you a, I'll give you a spoiler, so I won't use it on the next podcast. But those two for Van Vliet, I would do it. it. To me, it would make a lot of sense, and you'd be able to build your roster the way you want to build it, and I think you could still go out and make other moves. Now, that, that trade does make a lot of sense, but here's what I'll say. If you did make that trade and you paid Fred Van Vliet, at that point, you got to imagine that Vic's gone. Right, well, you got it. I'm gonna say this right now. I feel like Victor is 25. percent um, Out of 100, percent I would say there's a likelihood that he resigns 25. percent I think there's a 75 percent chance yeah, that Victor I agree is that. gone. Yeah. So I, I think uh, you can't I, I worry agree. about I that. Mm-hmm. But but I, still, I you could, you, you, could still you could still sign Vic to a max deal or a, a massive deal. Um, I mean, I don't know if Van Vliet would warrant the full max. It just depends on what you do. But what if Vic really likes playing with him and Brogdon? Because we saw, I mean, just imagine Van Vliet playing Aaron Holiday's minutes. You know oh, it'd I mean? be unbelievable. You know what I mean? Oh, it'd be unbelievable. With, with Sabonis at the center. I mean. This guy went from being undrafted to NBA Finals hero. I mean, yeah. he, he's improved his game drastically every single year. I think he makes any team better. Um, but I just feel like if somehow you, you pull off this trade, I feel like Vic – I, I think he would ask for a trade right away. <laughs> well, good. I, I Get him out of here then. I mean, if you don't want to be here, then why? Well, why? Why does it matter? I mean, if he's yeah, going to be upset that we traded for a guy for a max deal, it makes the team better. Who cares? I, like, I, yeah, I hear you. I think. Yeah, I think it, it would probably make more sense for him to be in the trade than it would for you know one of those two for yeah. us to. You know, but I did, I did like your trade scenario. I feel like they would have interest in Miles Turner, but like we said, we'll save that for another day. Fred Van Vliet, look, I, I would love, love for him to come to the Pacers. I think it would be great. Contract-wise, this guy is getting the max deal. He's yeah. he's getting it. I just feel like that that's happening. So it's all about are the Pacers ready to make a splash that big? I think if you're going to do kind of a sign-and-trade thing and Vic is the, the, the featured piece in the trade, then I think it makes sense. Yeah. I think you can have Fred at point guard. You could slide Brogdon down two, and I think all of a sudden it's like you got something there rather than three guards all fighting for you know fighting for the ball. And I just think that that would make a lot more sense. So mm-hmm. it, I think he's going to have a lot of suitors, and it's going to be interesting to find out where he signs or if Toronto even lets him go. Yeah. Because if if Toronto signs him. This, this is pretty much it for them. You know, they're going to be between Siakam and Kyle Lowry. I mean, I think Lowry have one year left. I could see Van Vliet kind of taking over and kind of becoming like, you know, the new Kyle Lowry for them because you can't really sign Lowry to another big deal after that. I mean, you could, but 
it, it just seems a little risky at his age. Oh, yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense for Toronto to keep him. I'm not expecting Toronto just to let him go. It would have to be Indiana having conversations with Fred Van Vliet and his agent saying, hey, we really want you here. We've got this coach, and we want to do this with you in our starting lineup with Brogdon. We think you two could be really good together. You know, whatever. I mean, I think they could sell him on why they want him here. It just depends on does he like that fit? Does he like who the coach is? And I think a lot of it will determine – you know, if they went after a guy like Van Vliet on who the coach is. So anyway, Foch, let's wrap this up. We got Tyler Smith waiting on the other line, and we're going to close out our show talking with Tyler about Kevin Pritchard's press conference yesterday about the uh, the way the Pacer season ended up going out and how they ended up moving on from McMillan and what the future of this team could look like. So hold on. We're going to bring Tyler. We'll be right back. Now by Tyler Smith from IndieSportsLegends.com. Tyler was live with Kevin Pritchard yesterday um, with the rest of the media in the Zoom conference call to hear what Kevin Pritchard had to say at the end of the season post-game, or not post-game, but post-season press conference. So, Tyler, uh, we wanted to bring you on and just kind of get your overall thoughts on what happened yesterday with Kevin Pritchard. Yeah, it's totally natural, right? It's September, and we're talking about uh, <laughs> the Pacers season ending instead of you know what normally would be media day in September for the next season. But yeah, everything's been interesting. I feel like uh, you know five different people could have you know read the quotes of Kevin Pritchard and have five different you know opinions on what he was saying. Um, there's so many things that, as you guys know, he speaks with conviction. He uh, he's careful with what he says he's calculated uh, but he's also pretty transparent Uh, but I feel like a lot of things I've seen some fans uh, interpret some things one way and I I interpret them uh, completely different ways so it's really just uh, kind of a wait and see thing but he had a lot of interesting things for sure yeah I mean just as you mentioned the the way that everything could be interpreted is up to you know the interpreter because there could be a lot of different uh you know, opinions on this, but I, I think that Pritchard handled this pretty classy, but also, you know, there's a lot of questions, I feel like, from a lot of people, and, you know, he mentioned maybe, you know, accepting responsibility for the roster that he created, while we also heard Nate kind of mention, you know, he made a kind of a comment saying, you know, all you can do is coach the roster you were dealt. Do you think maybe one party should shoulder more blame than the other? Um, I think... Overall, it was a pretty good roster, even with the injuries. I mean, obviously, if you're going to win that many games, I think both deserve a ton of credit. Um, And I think what Pritchard was ultimately saying was, you know, I'm the one that's absolutely in charge. Um, So I'm the one that puts it all together. And my personal opinion is that, you know, Pritchard has done a better job uh, than maybe the coaching staff in terms of, you know, getting ready for a playoff run. And, uh, you know, Pritchard himself was thinking, you know, maybe not to beat Miami, but to be competitive in the series or win a game or two at least. And uh, I think with some coaching changes, you know, some uh, adjustments made, that's something that could have been possible. So I don't know. I lean more towards, you know, I think they've both done a great job the last couple of years, but I think Pritchard has put together a pretty good team and, and been pretty unlucky with the injuries. Well, I got to talk to you a little bit about what, what he said regarding Domas and Miles basically saying they're both – want to try to make it work what what are your thoughts on that and do you think that that will be you know subject to change based on who they hire as a coach well I will say this the number one thing that I took 
from this press conference is that Kevin Pritchard still believes in continuity. I mean, the, the team that he built, especially, you know, last offseason, um, he wanted to get some guys that were going to play together for multiple years. I still believe that he wants that to happen, including both bigs, if, if that's possible. Um, the thing is, multiple people can change that for him. You know, for example, if, if Oladipo, if they have a heart-to-heart and Oladipo says, I really want out. Um, obviously, he can't come back. They'd have to trade him. Um, if if Miles and Domas, their first conversation with Pritchard, as you mentioned, they, they said they want to play together, if that changes in the next month or two, you know, maybe it's not something that can happen. Or other teams can change it as well. If somebody offers Kevin Pritchard a deal that he can't refuse for one of his key pieces, he's probably going to take that offer and, you know, build that way. So there's multiple things at play here. I, you know, again, some fans and some media may take – you know, taking the things he said differently than me, but I feel like he was still kind of insinuating, I want to bring most of this core back, if not all of it, get healthy, get the right coach in place. That includes Miles and Domas. So we'll have to see. You know, my gut would tell me that one of them still gets traded, but I just want fans to to know that if everything is truly on the table, that includes having everybody back. Like, that's part of it too. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. some of the media have been – saying and they've been writing articles about like oh you know buckle up it's going to be a crazy um, off season because Pritchard said he's open to anything well again being open to anything also means he could bring everybody back and get a new coach and make some tweaks so we'll just have to see but I think it's all on the table and I do think when you're trying to get out of the first round you should be open to anything and one of those things that the comments they can be you know misconstrued or whatever you want to put it but when he mentioned you know all indications point to the, you know, give or take a word to all indications point to Oladipo wanting to be back, but we haven't really heard anything from Oladipo. What was the vibe like as Pritchard was addressing Oladipo going into a contract year? Well, I will say that he was not sounding as confident as previous years about mm-hmm. Oladipo and, you know, being a leader. And I feel like, I kind of took when he was talking about him, he was kind of taking it like, yeah, I've kind of seen some of the stuff floated out there, but for me, like he hasn't told me that he wants out and I kind of, you know, everything I've heard is he wants to stay. Um, And then he, he repeated something that I've been telling fans for a while that the Pacers are, are not going to extend him this off season. And so when people talk about, well, if you can't extend him, you got to deal him or otherwise you'll lose him for nothing. But the plan ever since he got hurt, was to wait and to see, you know, this coming year if he's healthy. Oladipo wants to do that to see how much money he can make. Pritchard wants to do that because he doesn't want to give him a huge contract if he can't prove that he's healthy. So they're either going to agree to go into this season and ride it out and then negotiate, or if he doesn't want to be here, maybe they trade him. But he, he definitely was not as confident as before. Um, he did mention that, you know, eventually we will have that sit down heart to heart. Um, him even bringing up Paul George's name is kind of nerve-wracking. But he's like, I don't want to go down that road again. I don't think we're going down that road again. But even to mention that, it's kind of like, oh, man, we, you know, we've seen this movie before. So kind of scary. Yeah, and I think that goes back to where he said everything is on the table. I mean, hey, you know what? If they get the right offer for Victor, I think they have to make that move. Um, unfortunately, some fans might not want to hear that, but personally – if if Victor you know is unsure of what he's going to do and he are, and Pritchard did say that he will have the opportunity to be a free agent for the first time next year um, after next after after next season 
you know, there's going to be people that are going to be interested in seeing what he can do for their team and how he can help them. And I think, you know, there's going to be teams that are strong enough in their belief that they could maybe try to woo him and keep him long term. So if they send you a good enough offer, I think the Pacers have to be smart and listen to those offers. But I wouldn't rush just to make an offer because you're afraid of losing. But uh, one thing I, I thought was interesting too, Tyler, from from Kevin Pritchard's press conference was he he mentioned the firing of McMillan and. You know, somebody asked him about spending money on a coach, and he said, well, if Herb Simon was basically uh, worried about money, he wouldn't have fired these guys uh, to go hire another coach. So do you think that that means Herb is willing to spend a little bit more money on a coach this go-around? I think so. It's interesting to me that every time, like, Larry Bird or Kevin Pritchard talk about Herb Simon, they always seem to indicate – now, I know they're, you know he's signing the checks and everything, but they always seem to indicate that spending is not an issue. Um, and I know a lot of fans uh, would think otherwise there, but it's uh, you know he he was very quick to that answer. He didn't think about it long. It was a very quick, like, hey, you know, that's not going to be an issue for coaching. Like, if there's somebody we want, um, we'll be able to bring in anyone. So, don't know if that was you know referencing D'Antoni or just a you know just a, a bigger name coach in general. Um, but it is it is nice to see that I think the Pacers will have a lot of options, and they're not just going to you know go for somebody that they could pay less. Yeah, no, that's definitely going to be uh, real interesting. And one of the exciting things is to just know who who could be the next head coach. But whenever uh, – basically there was a lot of rumblings when Pritchard said that he spoke with David West. What do you think was the significance behind that? Because immediately you had Pacer fans running to Twitter saying, is David West in the running for coach? And I don't think that's the case. But what do you think the significance was behind that? Yeah, I think he was just going to get information. I mean – you're really not going to mention names anyway uh, if, mm-hmm. if somebody was interested. Um, so him saying that to me is a clear indication that he's not, you know, in the running. Um, but you know how Twitter works, and you know it is exciting to to hear his name again. But he was he was you know he said multiple times in the press conference that if there was one of the downfalls of this coaching staff is the player relationships, and it's a different game. The players are different today. So he went to David West to say like you know, get some intel on what our players like today. What do they need? What kind of language do they speak? And, and that's good. You know, that's, um, that's awesome. They even reached out to the Colts and Chris Ballard. And, you know, when you've got Chris Ballard and David West and, 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 you know, all these different people you're reaching out to, to get as much information as possible. I think that's a good thing. They're doing their due diligence. Something Larry Bird did not do last time. Didn't really talk to many people and just kind of made up his mind. Um, this time I think Pritchard is going to do it right, and uh, that's what the conversation with D-West was about. Yeah, and I think Jay Michael actually put out on Twitter that the, the franchise has had their eyes on David West for a while as just you know being a part of the organization, uh, having, a vo- having a voice with the organization, and maybe you know hire him on staff. Not sure what his role would be, but maybe you could always you know look at putting him on the on the sidelines as an assistant coach or part of your coaching staff. Who knows? But I do think that a guy like David West – um, would be good for this organization as far as, you know, being able to reach the players, like you mentioned, Tyler, and be able to communicate. So overall, Tyler, you know, we're going to wrap things up here. The presser, you know, it's 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 unfortunate it wasn't able to be aired live for everybody to watch. But did you feel like you got some GM speak in there more, or do you feel like he was pretty transparent and you could kind of feel that, you know, which direction he's uh, Kevin Pritchard's going to be heading? I mean, he's a guy that I really just trust when he when he speaks. And mm-hmm. even if there is some, you know, calculated answers, um, 
he's not shying away from anything. I thought there was a couple of pretty telling things. You know, one example was when somebody asked a question about, would you consider the college ranks for, and he immediately said, yes. Like he didn't say, oh, we'll have to see. It was a very quick yes. Um, there was a lot of answers like that, that like him saying everything is on the table. I, I believe it. I feel like he wants to bring most of the core back, but if he's going to put all the names out there as well and see what kind of, you know, nibbles he gets um, with the bait and see if there's something big to happen. Obviously the, the coaching hire is huge. That's where he said all his you know, focus is right now. And I believe that as well, that, you know, the coach will have a big impact on what they decide to do. I just don't think that, and I could be wrong, you know, it's not always easy to read these things, but um, I think the majority of the fan base thinks there's going to be just crazy, massive changes. And I don't think that's the case. I could see one big trade happening, maybe two at the most, uh, maybe like a bigger one, a smaller one, a couple small signings. And then, uh, you know, the coach who they get would be big as well. But I think you're going to see most of the quarterback. And uh, I think they'll have mostly the same team. So um, it's going to be really interesting, but I, I feel like um, – I believe Pritchard when he was talking about how everything's on the table. We're going to work our butts off. He said, we will be prepared that I can promise you. And I believe it. And Pritchard, we trust. Uh, I'm excited for what beholds uh, in this off season, hopefully not flipping too much of the roster over since we literally just did that, but it's nice to know anything and everything is on the table. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, Tyler, I have to ask you real quick. Uh, what's the update on Jeremy Lamb? That was uh, I thought it was pretty uh, telling that Lamb might be back for the start of next season. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, nobody knows the starting date, but if they are looking at you know around Christmas time or or maybe shortly before, or shortly after, he's actually got a chance. I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't bet on him, you know, being completely you know in the rotation um, on opening night, um, but. You know, to to see that he's making great progress, that's huge. I mean, that's a good bench piece that uh, the Pacers never really got to see because when he was healthy, he was starting. And so that's a completely different dynamic um, that the Pacers didn't see. And, again, if they go for an offensive-minded coach, Jeremy's got some skills, and he could be that, you know, six-man type that they've been looking at for, you know, a role they've been trying to fill for a very long time. So, it's encouraging no matter what, even if he misses a little bit at the start of the season, it's way less than obviously if things were under normal circumstances and he would have had to miss a couple months. Well, good stuff, Tyler. We appreciate you coming on. You guys can find Tyler on Twitter at TylerSmith underscore ISL, and that ISL stands for Indie Sports Legends, where you can find all of Tyler's work, IndieSportsLegends.com. Once again, Tyler, thanks so much for coming on. Good to talk with you again. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one. All right, everybody, that does it for another episode of Setting the Pace on IndieSportsLegends.com. I'm Alex Golden. You can follow me on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. Mike Fachi is on Twitter at F-A-C-C-I underscore before the F-A-C-C-I. We'll talk to y'all later. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. It's happening daily. 
We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 